0: personally i've scheduled and and blocked out one day every two weeks in uh, in my calendar and this day i mute my email i mute slack incoming calls all distractions and then i invest in upgrading myself and this could be like for example to take a course in excel to take a read faster course or to read inspiring books or to think about where we are as a company in three years etc etc it's so so it's it's really like forcing uh, it's really about like forcing myself through my calendar scheduling to think about strategy, vision, how to work smarter. Welcome to the Conversion Aid podcast, where we help software
1: entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level. Each week we interview proven industry experts who share their strategies and insights to help you create software that sells. Here's your host, Omer Khan. Hey everyone, welcome to the Conversion Aid podcast. Uh, I'm having an awesome day today. We're having a mini heat wave in the Seattle area. It was in the 80s today, uh, which is pretty awesome for April. And uh, in fact, it was the first day I actually had to turn on the air conditioning in-house, the so... Uh, I'm kind of feeling like I'm on a little vacation. Uh, Anyway, uh, this week's uh, guest is the co-founder and CEO of a SaaS business based in Aarhus, Denmark. Uh, The business has been bootstrapped from day one. And they're currently doing around $55,000 in monthly recurring revenue. In this episode, we talk about how the founders came up with the idea for the SaaS product while doing freelancing work for a client. Uh, how the first version of the minimum viable product was developed and shipped in under seven days. We talk about a major mistake they made by trying to focus too on a too broader market for almost a year and what that cost them in terms of time and money. We, we talk about how they got traction and achieved success by niching down and focusing on a segment within the market. And we explore what they did to get traction that helped them go from zero to almost uh, $700,000 annual run rate uh, before we get started if you haven't joined the conversion aid community now is a great time to do that you'll get notified of new episodes right in your inbox and it's a great way to learn from successful SaaS founders and entrepreneurs just go to conversionaid.com slash vip and enter your email address to join all right let's get on with the interview Alright, today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Sleeknote, a SaaS product that helps e-commerce sites get more email opt-ins without affecting bounce rates and sales. The company was founded in 2013 and is based in Aarhus, Denmark. Sleeknote currently has around 700 customers and generates $55,000 in monthly recurring revenue and the business has been bootstrapped from day one. So today, I'd like to welcome Mögens Müller. Mögens,
0: welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Omar.
1: Now, uh, I probably did a terrible job with the pronunciation of your name, so, but <laughs> I, know, I know that's kind of like the Americanized version, but just for everyone's benefit, yeah. why don't you just tell us how you actually really pronounce your name?
0: <laughs> okay, okay, great. It's Mons Müller. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And thanks for having me. Sure. Yeah. So,
1: let's um let's tell the audience a little bit more about Sleeknote. What what exactly is the problem that you guys are trying to solve for e-commerce sites?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, basically Sleeknote is an opt-in tool for e-commerce websites. Um what we saw is that Email marketing often is one of the primary sales sales channels uh, at these e-commerce websites. But but still, uh, these e-commerce managers and webmasters, they are struggling uh, uh, growing their subscriber lists. Um, So, uh, and often, you know, often they tried different opt-in tools and created maybe some subscriber boxes themselves. Um, uh, But often they see that these aggressive pop-up opt-in boxes hurt their other conversion rates, uh, or maybe their bounce rate. So, uh, so this is often where they, they they end up and and you know contact us um, because we've created this this opt-in tool that really takes this pain seriously, uh, which both uh, provides a lot of new email subscribers and don't affect other important conversion rates and and bounce rate.
1: So, what exactly is it that you guys are doing, which which allows them to do this? Because opt-ins. You know, kind of makes sense in in a lot of places and, and online sites, but in the in an e commerce business, I think there's a whole set of different challenges that that come along with trying to introduce an opt in in there. I mean, even somebody like you know, folks here would be you know familiar with going and shopping on Amazon.com, and that's a yeah. very um, a very smooth process from finding a product going through to checkout and if you suddenly had opt-in forms in in sort of the process I can imagine that hurting their sales quite significantly so what exactly is it that you guys are doing that um, gets around this problem
0: yeah well uh, first of all, uh, it's it's pretty easy for our customers actually to see, uh, of course, how the perf- performance of the opt-in uh, is on the website. But also, we are trying to track not only the the the, the conversion rate from you know uh, shown opt-in box to subscribe, but also the conversion rate, the overall conversion rate of this box. So will it have any negative effect on the other conversion rate if you show this box to the, to the visitor? And sometimes, uh, and 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 you know, a normal pop-up box uh, is is quite good. Uh, often we see there's no problem in in a normal pop-up box. Uh, if you do, if if you are if you are very careful in in writing good content in it, and if you provide something that is relevant for the visitor. Other times. Um, one of the, 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 the boxes that a lot of our customers have a great success with is this we call slide-in boxes, where there is a little teaser bar in the bottom of the website and after like 10 seconds, it just slides up very smoothly and then, of course, you can you can close it again and instead of just completely removing from the, the screen on the website, it's still um, it, it still keeps showing in the bottom of the website in this little teaser bar. Uh, and we... We see on our customers' website that this this combination of something sliding up and still uh, being down in the bottom of the website, like like you know a little chat software teaser bar, um, this is a very uh, effective both for opt-ins uh, and and without hurting other conversion rates or bounce rates. So uh, yeah.
1: Now I want to start kind of go back to how you came up with the idea for sleek note but before we do that uh i want to kind of start off by asking you you know is, is there a favorite quote that you have that drives you is there something that what gets you out of bed every day so it's something i like to ask all my guests it kind of helps to just better understand kind of what what makes them tick so is there a quote or something else that's kind of important to you that really drives and motivates you to do what you do every day
0: yeah yeah it's a it's a great question. Uh well basically it is to well do what I love, um to work with smart people and well to keep making progress like personally and, and with my company every day. That's that's really what's what drives me. Um and if I should pick a quote, um I actually have a favorite quote. It's it's from a Danish guy, it's a guy called Martin LeBlanc, uh from a company called Iconfinder. And I, and I can't remember it exactly, but it's something like if a user interface—oh, sorry—a user interface is like a joke. If you have to explain it, it's not that good. <laughs> um, and, that, and I really like that one because you know usability and uh, you know crazy, creating user-friendly interfaces. That's that's like everything we do it's it's in every uh, process in 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 every project every project that we do in in sleeknote so uh, so uh, yeah i i i actually have that uh, we have it on the poster in our office so uh, so it's uh, i think it's a great great quote
1: nice i like it all right so let's talk about um where all of this began so uh, where did the idea for sleeknote come from
0: well Actually, my background um, is that I've been uh, freelancing uh, before I started uh, Sleeknotes, Notes, uh, and I worked with conversion rate optimization for a lot of the biggest uh, e-commerce websites in Scandinavia. And uh, one of these websites uh, gave me this challenge that um, they needed more email subscribers, um, and they tried a lot of different things. They tried, you know, buying it from different competitions and on on, you know different websites third-party websites and 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 it was they never got any like real value out of these um so they wanted to to get more email subscribers from their website but it was very important that that it didn't hurt any of the other conversion rates Uh, they tried to do some regular pop-up boxes and they created these themselves uh, but what they saw in their KPIs when they and also when they tried and split tested they saw that the bounce rate increased and and their the sales conversion rate decreased when they when they showed this pop-up box uh, because i think it it was just you know annoying for the visitors so i got this uh, task as a freelancer for for this e-commerce website that i should you know come up with something that works better than 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 this normal pop-up um, and this was when I, I you know brainstormed a lot on different solutions, and I came up with this thing that I just uh, described uh, to begin with with this uh, combination of a slide in box and a little teaser bar in the bottom of bottom of the website so um so we implemented this for uh, this customer it was actually a travel agency uh and they you know afterwards just I think it was 800 percent more email subscribers or something like that when they implemented it. Nice. And 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 all the other you know KPIs and, and key numbers were were the same. So uh, so what we did afterwards, uh, I uh, I got the permission to write about this on uh, my web blog. Uh, I have a blog in, in in Denmark where you know I write about stuff or I did when I was um, freelancing. Um, so I wrote I wrote about this case. And uh, the day after I published it, uh, I had around 50 emails from other webmasters and e-commerce managers wanted, who wanted something uh, similar on their website. Um, <laughs> and, and the only answer that I couldn't give was that, well, you have to contact your you know, the, the, the CMS or, or the, the, the e-commerce platform uh, that you use and, and hear if they can develop something um but i could hear on them that that wasn't the answer they were looking for um so uh, so when this this actually kept going for the next 2 weeks or so i, I got all these emails every day because they they read about this uh, blog post so uh, so when when i uh, when all these emails um when all these e- uh, webmasters they kept emailing me um i i really couldn't you know just ignore it anymore um because i have this you know this 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 uh, startup uh, inside of me i've i've always wanted to really like uh, have my own startup and i've you know i have had my own uh, e-commerce website early on and i've been uh, freelancing on my own but i wanted to build something else and this was the opportunity so um, so i teamed up with uh, an old friend uh, who was um, uh great at uh, developing um I can't write any code myself so I needed a a technical dude uh, on the team so um so uh, I talked to him and asked him if we should uh, try and create something uh, from this needs that uh, I saw in the market um yeah so that, that was actually how it started and then we just took it from there
1: okay so so remind me again so when you when you um sort of implemented this for the the travel agency yeah um what what exactly were you doing there like like sort of in terms of like technically what what was what what, what did you do and and were you able yeah. to leverage any of that in terms of building the product
0: yeah well uh, I came up, I came up with some mug-ups on how it should be implemented, and then we we contacted the um, the business that that built this uh, trail agency 's website uh, and and had them implement this uh, this this idea that I got um, and I think i can 't remember we paid something like five thousand $5, dollars or something like that to implement this for this one trail agency and that was cool with them because they needed to test this out. Um, but 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 the 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 webmasters and the e-commerce managers that contacted me afterwards when I wrote this blog post, they wanted a you know a out of the box solution. They didn't want to wait for their developers to to build this uh, and wait for you know in the developing uh, pipeline or in the backlog, and it will take half a year or something like that. They wanted something right away uh, out of the box that so they can play around with themselves. So so what we did with the travel agency was really a hard coded version. Uh, that we you know we couldn't change any text we couldn't change the image we we couldn't like customize it anyway it was just like how my mockup up was created that was how the pop-up uh, or sliding box looked like okay
1: okay got it, uh, got it got it got it yeah okay so you guys um get together and you decide yeah. that you're going to go and uh build a product there's, there's there's clearly a need there and and people are telling you that on a, almost on a daily basis yeah How long did it take you guys to build the first version of the product?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, what we did afterwards when we teamed up, um, I actually used my network. um, And I tried asking people if, uh, you know, uh, I actually, I think I used Twitter back then. And asked uh, if anyone wanted a box like the one uh, from the travel agency, and of course there was a lot of people who wanted that. And I also also wrote to some of the guys who who emailed me, Um, and then I think I had around a hundred websites, e-commerce websites, who wanted that box implemented. Um, So we chose to, uh, I think we selected ten of them uh, because we wanted a, a, you know. Proof of concept. We wanted to see this work not just in the travel agency on the travel agency website, but we wanted this to work in different industries. uh, Before we really like decided that this was what we're going to focus on, and you know, quit our jobs and all this stuff. So, so we uh, we chose these ten websites in different industries, and then we created hard-coded subscriber boxes like the box that we created on the travel agency, and then we just tested it. Um, and and split tested it if it had any you know uh, negative effects on other conversion rates and and bounce rates and all this, um, and 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 afterwards uh, when we have made all these tests we saw that the numbers were almost the same as the travel agency, so it didn't have on all websites uh, as big an effect, but it was still around like four five hundred percent more email subscribers than they got before on a daily basis, so. So, uh, so that was really like the proof of concept that we, uh, we needed. Um, and and when, we, when we saw that, when we saw these 10 websites and they were successful, every one of them, and they started like tweeting and writing on social media that they loved this tool what we created for them, then we decided to, you know, really saying like, this is, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to build. Um, and then we actually decided to build the app. Um, so so until until then we we didn't have anything else than just hard coded uh, HTML boxes subscriber boxes. Um, so so we didn't like we didn't uh, lock ourselves in a basement and 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 develop uh, for a year or so. We we created these boxes in I think a week or two weeks or something like that.
1: Okay okay got it. So so today sleek Note is a a product where people can go in when they sign in, they can create opt-in forms and then integrate with their site and and publish and whatever. But in those days, none of that existed. And you guys were just going in and saying, okay, let's just go in, uh, you know, at the client side, let's go and look at the HTML, maybe some JavaScript, whatever that is. And let's, let's kind of just build a hard coded opt-in form for each one of these proof of concept sites.
0: Exactly, exactly, and and a very important thing for me back then was to, of course, you know, validate if if you know what we what uh, we built here worked for our customers and our clients, and it worked in different industries, but also to validate if it was valuable and if people actually wanted to pay for it, uh, because. In my world, it's it's very easy to to contact a lot of you know companies and websites and like have them to say uh, I love your product I want to pay for it maybe sometime in the future or something like that that that's the easiest thing to do but but there's a huge difference between you know getting a, a positive signal like that and actually uh, getting money from them actually you know they use their credit card and pay for your service. So, so even though we only had this hard-coded beta product where they couldn't change anything, uh, we charged them. We charged these first ten beta testers uh, for for using our product because I was sure that it was going to provide them a lot of value. So, uh, so I think we charged them like, uh, like I think like twenty dollars or something like that per month. Um, so of course not a lot but but uh, enough to like validate if it's valuable enough for people to actually pay for it.
1: Was there anything proprietary about the opt-in forms? I I'm, I'm trying to sort of figure out was is was it you know what your secret sauce at the time was or was it basically sort of leveraging your experience and background in Conversion optimization and and just an idea in terms of this is how you yeah know, an, an opt-in form should work. So, is there anything that you had at the time that somebody else couldn't copy?
0: Mm, no, not really, not really. Uh, and and you know this is this is around this is about three years ago. So this is this was prefer before you heard about. Uh, Sumo Me and you know other other companies like that so 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 yeah uh, it, it, everything here was extremely easy to copy um, so so what we were actually gonna build here was you know the, the the true value of the product that you can actually like customize it and you can choose when it should appear and you can do a lot of uh, tracking on it and split testing and all this but but we were about to build we were about to build that afterwards but but to begin with, for three years ago, uh, it was only like a very hard-coded subscriber box um, that we have seen a lot of great results with uh, in this uh, very specific way of showing it. Uh, yeah.
1: Did you guys ever, maybe you know, either as as co-founders or, or as yourself, ever think about building an opt-in tool that was kind of broader, like like kind of like the Sumo Me's and, and things like yeah. that. Because, yeah. because it, you know, kind of looking at where you are, guys, right now, it seems pretty smart that you focus on e-commerce sites. But I was just wondering, yeah. kind of, what the thought process was as sort of as you kind of went through from idea to building the product.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, actually, what we did afterwards, when we had created this uh, this app and we got some customers using it, uh, we we actually f- focused a bit broader. Uh, we, you know, said. Well, why should it only be e commerce websites who used it you used uh, our product so we uh, actually like tried and and get everyone on board um because you know we we got a lot of customers from uh, newspapers we got got a lot of customers from consultancies and all this stuff um, but uh what this is actually one of the mistakes that we uh, we made early on uh because uh, we could see that these these clients, these, uh, you know, consultancies and news, newsletters and all these, we we couldn't really advise them as good as we could as advise these e-commerce websites. And what we've really essentially built was something very valuable for e-commerce websites because, you know, these other websites, very simple websites, they can just use a WordPress plugin for free, and that would work just as great uh, as our tool so um so, so actually, we tried we, we started w- very narrow with this e commerce websites because that was where we tested the product to begin with, and then we thought well now we 're going to conquer the the world, and we 'll try to to get everyone <laughs> uh, but then actually uh for i think it's around a, a year and a half ago we we decided to like focus uh on this one target group um and to be honest also because we saw uh, more competitors in the market and we saw that these competitors were good at targeting you know other niche um uh, websites um so so we our team me and my co-founders and the people that we uh, that we hired were all e-commerce, uh, you know, experts. We have, we had a lot of knowledge and both in developing e-commerce websites. Uh, I have advised a lot of e-commerce websites, and this is this was like what we knew and what we really loved. Um, so so it was obvious for us to to focus on that and and yeah. So that that was actually that was actually a a, a mistake that we did, and we 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 focused on that for a year or so. Um, yeah do do you think
1: you guys would have made more progress by now or had more growth by now if you had decided not to do that and stuck with just focusing on e-commerce sites
0: Hmm, yeah that's a that's a good question honestly I don't know Um, but I do know that uh, the kind of clients and the kind of customers we have today um, are willing to pay the price Uh, and uh, we 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 decided pretty early on uh, not to you know be uh, be a very you know the 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 cheapest product on the market because we wanted to to be different from the other tools and uh, both by having some some other features and you know, an, another value that we provide, but also uh, by uh, off by having another price than, you know, five dollars or I don't know this, the Sumo me price today, but we, we decided pretty early on to, to charge. Uh, I think today our cheapest uh, pricing plan is $69 per month. Um, because uh, it's, it's just we, we could see that if Just the price alone is actually a quality parameter for our when our target group is about to choose uh, which tool they are gonna use. So so if and like an e-commerce um, e-commerce manager is about to choose a tool for you know getting more opt-ins on their website, um, they often don't choose the cheapest one because they they want they, they want to be sure that they're doing that they're making the right decision. And uh, they can't be judged for choosing. Um, they they can be judged for for, for choosing the, the wrong tool, uh, but they can't be judged for choosing not, not the, the, the the cheapest one. So so uh, so we decided to you know find a price that we of course uh, thought were fair, but but uh, but also uh, was different than from the, our competitors. Uh, so we actually decided to, to charge quite a bit for our products early on.
1: Okay, so after the proof of concept, you, you guys are, you know, you you have enough evidence there that both you can solve this problem for more than just one client, yeah. right? And so that's a validation for, for you in terms of the, the product and the solution. And you also have some validation there that people are willing to pay for this. Yeah. So did you... It, it, at that point, did you guys then say, "Okay, are we gonna we're gonna go and actually build this this product, and it's gonna be kind of like this platform where people can do all of these things, and we're gonna integrate with all these platforms," or did you? Well, what did you do?
0: Yeah, we we created a minimal viable product. We 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 decided what what are we what is possible for us to create so that our uh, customers can can create these boxes themselves. Uh, and And then of course we we wrote a, a long list with everything we wanted in the in this in this new app. We wanted to you know split test we wanted to do e commerce tracking we wanted to do all kinds of analytics and all this but but we uh, you know we we just did the the, the 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 most important stuff and that was to be able to create a box to change the text and and to do you know simple integration with MailChimp and maybe campaign monitor or something like that. Uh, and then, and then we we uh, what we did was that we opened up for uh, I think we made a limit of 50 uh, beta testers. We didn't want to like get a lot of new people in from day one because we know that our our product was buggy. We know that what, there was a lot of things that didn't work. So so we actually uh, we I communicated through my I think it was my Twitter profile again that um, we are now opening up for 50 beta testers. And within, I think, two hours, we got these 50 beta testers who wanted to try it out, because we actually created this kind of urgency that it's it's not for everyone. It's limited. You, every, everyone can't just use it right now. We only want 50, uh, and uh, and we got 50 very very quickly. And then we got, I think, around, I think around 60 more who uh, who uh, we we wrote on a, a waiting list uh, so that we can contact them. And they they actually. They actually wrote to us that they wanted to also pay these, uh, I think it was $20 when we opened up. So we actually like did a, I, I don't know if, if other companies do, the, do it like that, but but it was a great feeling to have customers almost from, from day one when we opened our app, and I actually have around 60 more customers that were just waiting for us to, 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 to get this product done.
1: Were you charging for the beta users to use the product?
0: Yeah. Okay, good.
1: Yeah. It seems like it was just too easy, <laughs> you know. You 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 came up well, from from at least how we kind of hearing the story, right? Because you came up with the idea, you you solved it for one customer. Uh, you did a proof of concept without wasting a lot of time, and and proved that you could, you know, solve the problem for other people, and that you could generate some revenue. You built a minimum viable product. Um, you got beta testers really quickly. Um, and even if we look at the the, the general sort of growth tra- trajectory for a bootstrap business to go from from zero to uh, fifty five thousand dollars in monthly recurring revenue in three years is pretty good going. And we talked a little bit about the the mistake uh, in terms of maybe not focusing as mm. as sort of sharply as you you should have, but. Tell tell the tell the listeners about maybe some of the other challenges that you faced along the way.
0: I'd love to. Well, to be honest, in in the first year or so, we we, we were extremely lucky, and you know, just riding on a fantastic wave. Uh, so so and and everything just happened for us in in, in the first year or so. Um, but but later on, we we've we've got some challenges. Um, first of all. Today we are almost only in Scandinavia. Uh we we have customers in uh, the US and Austria, Australia and and, and other countries and continents but uh but but that's very few customers so so a challenge for us is to you know scale our product to to new markets um and what we've got a great success with in in, in Denmark and in Scandinavia is that uh, web agencies often uh, recommend their customers to use sleeknote because they can see it you know generates a lot of value and all this um and um because um, a lot of we got a lot of clients in, in Denmark and Scandinavia the agencies contacted us and and you know heard if we can if they could be a reseller of our product so that was fantastic and then we I think for about a year ago uh, we thought okay now we're going to the UK we will try and if we can uh, you know approach this new market because it's a lot bigger than Denmark and a lot of, a lot of potential clients so uh, we thought that we can just contact all the web agencies in the UK and you know, get them to to recommend SleekNote to to their customers and to their clients. But man, were we wrong! <laughs> that, that that didn't happen. Um, we we traveled over there a couple of times to some meetups, trying to set up some meetings with some of these agencies. But you know, none of them wanted to just hear about our product uh, <clears throat> because we didn't have any clients on on the market. Um, so, so that was really a a wake up call that, that, you know, things just went extremely easy in Denmark, but, but it's just a whole nother game when we enter a new market where nobody has heard about us and we have got no clients.
1: That's interesting. So it was because in your market in Scandinavia, you already had a, you know, a consulting freelance business, you had clients, so you you had a track record there of, uh, and, you know, And you didn't have any of that when you went to the UK. So that, that's, exactly. that is really interesting because I, I kind of get that if if you were kind of going to the UK with an idea mm. um, but and people are like, well, you know, we don't know about this thing and whatever. But you already had a product by then, right? You had a product, yeah, exactly. you had paying customers, you had revenue. Yeah. And even then you weren't able to break into another market.
0: Exactly, we 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 were sure that they were gonna love it, <laughs> but uh, but they didn't. Uh, and you know, all these web agencies—they have so much else to to take care of, and and selling another SaaS product is just not interesting for them. Even though that we could, you know, provide some kickback or something like that, it was just not interesting. So <clears throat> so what what we found out is that. It, it works the other way around. You, we need to have the customers in the market before the partners is is gonna contact us and 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 sign up and and recommend it to to their customers. Um, and we've seen that now in we've seen that now in in Norway, for example, uh, where we have a lot of customers today. Uh, that was also a new market for us because we only started in Denmark to begin with, and then we wanted to approach Norway, um, and then we because. Uh, i i sometimes do some presentations at um, uh, e-commerce events Uh, by these presentations we we got some of the the biggest uh, some some big clients in um, in this market And, and and then afterwards we got the partners contacted us so um so yeah we just we just found out that it's we can't just contact partners directly that's not that's not working so now we 're trying to figure out how we can you know get the end users how we can get the, the, the our customers, and then afterwards try and find the the partners uh, and and that 's not easy and that 's actually one of the biggest challenges we have right now. It is to you know get out the borders in, in denmark and and try and, and you know get some customers in new countries um, so um, yeah we 're trying right now to to do some a lot of content marketing and you know some online advertising. But but that's that's actually the the, the 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 biggest challenge for us.
1: Okay. And uh at some point you guys also uh joined forces with another startup. Yeah. Um and I know you had some challenges there with with losing a co-founder. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that too because you know I think most people who've kind of gone through this experience will sort of say finding a a co-founder is like getting married, right? You really need to make sure that you find the right person. In many ways, you need to kind of think about not just how great it can be to partner with somebody, but also what you're going to do if things fall apart and and how you're going to clean up the mess. So I don't know exactly what happened with you guys, but I'd love for you to kind of share that with the listeners as well and sort of just... It would be great to sort of just learn some some lessons or some insights that you, maybe you have from going through that experience.
0: Sure, sure. Well, just to uh, just to rewind a bit, um, when we created this uh, beta product, we got some customers and then me and my uh, co founder my technical co founder Patrick, uh, we uh, decided to uh, to contact uh, another technical guy called Esker, who uh, joined the team. Then we were three guys at the, at our company. Then we were contacted by three other guys, also Danish guys, who um, worked with something. Similar to to our product, but they focused instead of uh, email subscribers, they focused a lot on on you know uh, social media. So you know in these uh, opt-in boxes, uh, you could like on fa- you could like them on Facebook and then uh, you know participate in a competition or something like that. Um, so they contacted us and and said, hey, uh, shouldn't we like maybe join forces and here if we can you know see if we can do something together um and um yeah we 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 had some meetings i think we had a, like five meetings or so where we just talked to each other and 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 heard each other if we could you know do business together and if we had a good team um and uh, and and what we found out was that we actually even though we thought it was a bit weird to team up with our competitor um we could see that uh, our teams had a great match. Uh, they were one uh, really fantastic front ender, uh, graphical designer, and front ender. Uh, then you had a back ender, and they had an online marketing, you know, uh, nerd who knew everything about SEO and and AdWords and all this. And we were two back enders, and then me who were, you know, the CEO guy with the uh, the strategy and and the KPIs and all this stuff and the network. Uh, so, so we we saw these two teams had a great match, um, and then we negotiated for, I think around a month or so, uh, and then finally decided so to instead of competing on this little local market in Denmark for the few customers that are around in Denmark, instead of competing for them, we decided to team up so that we can create a tool that could compete with you know all the great tools that would be uh, around the world. Um, yeah, so uh, so so we went from three to six co-founders back then, and that's around two years ago now.
1: How did things change with six cooks in the kitchen?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it 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 wasn't easy. Um we were everyone was, you know, very you know, we really wanted this to go easy, and we wanted to be nice to each other, but 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 we didn't know each other, so so everything we needed to to decide, uh, every little thing, every like front end detail, every little strategic thing, we just you know discussed every one of, of us, and we everyone had a meaning about what we should do. Uh, so think went things went pretty slow uh, the first couple of months because. We wanted to make sure that we were, everyone were, you know, involved in every decision. Afterwards, when we, you know, get to know each other, eventually things began to to get a lot easier. Uh, but in that process, uh, we, as you mentioned, we, we lost a co-founder. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and that was, of course, it was not... That's that's not a that's not a, a nice thing. It 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 wasn't one of the guys from our old team. It was a guy from from the other old team, but uh, but still, it's just it's just not it's just not a situation you you hope to be in where you have to to you know say goodbye to a co-founder which has you know worked his ass off to to create this product.
1: Well, what happened? is just he just didn't want to be involved with the business anymore, or you guys fell out, or what?
0: Yeah, well. Well, actually, uh, the the, the thing is that we had this agreement that when the company had enough revenue to to pay the salary uh, for for every one of us... uh, uh, we should we should take the decision and then join the company. So to begin with, it was the first. There was the two backenders who were uh, full time on board, and then we have decided that afterwards it should be the frontender who uh, who went full time, and then afterwards the online marketing guy and me and the the, the last uh, backender. And when it became um, uh, this uh, last guy's turn to to join full time, uh, he couldn't. He couldn't uh, quit his uh, his uh, his his other full time job because he was so you know happy for it, and he just got this actually he just got this full time job, uh, so he wasn't ready to to go full time on on this startup, and of course also to a, a way uh, lower um, salary, um, so so yeah, basically he wasn't really ready for the the startup life. So what problems did this
1: cause for you guys?
0: Well it did cost a lot of energy and time <laughs> because you know there was a, of course some negotiation there um on how this should end luckily we we when we we teamed up um we we did do a kind of i don't know the english word but some kind of co-founder agreement um where we had uh, some lines about what should we do if someone wants to sell his stocks and what if uh, he dies uh, and all this stuff um did, did so, you
1: did you guys uh get legal advice on that or did you just come up with something
0: yourself uh we we got professional advice when we uh, when we emerged
1: I was going to say it's just like only a lawyer would think about when somebody yeah. dies and stuff like that.
0: Yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and it, it it is kind of weird to you know discuss how you are going di- to divorce when you actually marry <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but that's just the case that 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 is actually what you you need to discuss even though it's it's crazy uh because someday it will become reality um someday you know uh, one co-founder will, you know, find something else to do, or wants to sell his stocks, or something like that. And uh, you must have. Well, if I can get, give just one advice uh, from from our experience here, you 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 must have that on in some kind of document that you have signed everyone, uh, and and get some professional advice on that because you can't you can't do it the the right way yourself at, uh, unless you are a lawyer.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's that's very good advice. Yeah. All right, uh, it's now time for our lightning round. I'm going yeah, to ask you uh, a series of questions and just uh, try to answer them as quickly as you
0: can. Great, great, let's do it.
1: What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, focus, focus and focus. Um, I got that advice from one of our mentors uh, called Thomas Kowloon from a company called Pixels. Uh, who's been extremely important for us that's that's actually us, another practical tip to find a great advisor to help you an advisor who had you know opened the same doors that you are about to open but he's just opened it maybe one head or, or or two years ago um, uh, but but he told me to focus because at the time i started um, this company i worked as a freelancer i had this e-commerce website so i have you know all these things that i wanted to do um but 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 his point is that uh, if you don't focus on you know one thing you're never going to succeed in anything um so so you're going to be you know a little a, a little thing of everything and you, you 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 can't do that if you want to really succeed so uh, and i often combine this with uh, with another quote and and I, I don't know it exactly but it's something like find your one thing and do that thing better than anyone else um so uh, yeah focus and find your one thing and do that thing better than anyone else
1: what book would you recommend to our audience and why
0: yeah Uh, if i can only choose one book it must be um, the seven habits of highly effective effective people um, by stephen covey uh, I was introduced to this book, I think, around 10 years ago, and I really make sure to read this at least once every year. It has just deeply, deeply shaped how I try to work, how I try to be as a colleague, as a leader, as a husband, and as a dad. It's, well, it's it's phenomenal, similar as that.
1: Yeah, it's a great book. I haven't read it for a long time. Maybe that's a, a cue for me to go and reread it again as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur?
0: Truly to try and be a good person and yeah, to be true to your core values. Um, It it, it might sound simple and fundamental and and something that everyone will, will be, but at least I see again and again that it's not the case. I see so many entrepreneurs not treating their customers well, uh, they are not treating their partners well. They are not treating their colleagues well. For example, when you're trying to, you know, hiring people, really try and provide honest feedback and tell uh, this guy why he didn't get the job. Or when you're firing people, try to help them as good as you can finding a, a, another job if if you if you care about this um, this guy. Or when you make a, a, a mistake to a customer, I see this a lot. Um, uh, these uh, entrepreneurs uh, often, you know. Or companies in general blame their contractors blame their servers instead of just being honest and say sorry we screw up um uh, you typically see this this you know this character of a lead, uh, of a leader or an entrepreneur when shit hits the fan and uh, and and you experience some 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 rough times uh, and this is when it becomes clear how true they are to their core values and also uh, you know clear how uh, who i admire the most
1: yeah, have you are you familiar with the book called Good to Great? No. Uh I think it was written by Jim Collins and they did research into a number of companies that were performing extraordinarily well at the time and they looked at what what these companies were doing that was different to everybody else what was driving this this incredible performance Mm. and they found these kind of commonalities and they kind of he wrote about them in this book and one of them was about the traits of a leader in those great companies versus the good companies and they described this concept of the mirror and the window and they said that in in you know typically what you see with a lot of Leaders and sort of, you know, especially sort of narcissistic type people is when when things go wrong, they look to blame everybody else. And when they have when things go well, they look to take the credit. Yeah. Uh, but when they, when they looked at these kind of great companies and the leaders in those companies, it was the opposite. That when things went wrong, uh, the leaders would look in the mirror and, and question what they did or didn't do, which caused that situation. Um, and when things went well, they looked out of the window and, and found other reasons, whether it was people, luck, circumstances, um, and, and gave that credit for their success rather than taking it for themselves. So it's okay. uh, it kind of ties together with that anyway. So anyway, we did track. Let's get, let's
0: get back to the light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. I'm going to read that book.
1: Um, what's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
0: Yeah. Um, first of all, I use my calendar a lot. Um, I I really schedule everything. If it's not in my calendar, it's it's just it's not gonna happen. <laughs> the the great thing about this, well actually there's there's many great things. Uh, but but first of all, it, it prevents me from doing a lot of impulsive work and ideas that I might think you know in a in a quick and, and weak moment are important. But actually, when I compare it to all the other things in uh, on my to do list and in, in my calendar, it's not important at all. It's just it just seems like uh, a, a great little thing to do right now in this moment. Therefore, uh, when I get this you know new idea which I get all the time, I, I write it down or you know do a quick memo uh, on my phone, and then the next morning I prioritize this uh, new idea and schedule it some time in the future. By doing this, I'm sure I always do the most important tasks first. Yeah. Well, it's actually. I think it's actually also a check a chapter in in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Something <laughs> around do the most important things first, and and yeah. I, I I really try to do that. Um, yeah, and besides that, I'm actually I'm also uh, if, if there's time for it, a fun uh, of, of another tip. And it's not it's not really a productivity tool or a, or, or hack, but it's it's really about investing in yourself. Uh, and And invest with the you know with time the the most precious resource that we have um and I see that many entrepreneurs and people in general they you know run a run around all stressed out like lemmings from one email to another, from one phone call to another day by day, week by week but but very few people actually stop up and say, "Hey, maybe I can do this smarter, maybe I can." invest in in my time and and upgrade my skills and do this task in a smarter and more effective way Um, personally i've scheduled and and blocked out one day every two weeks in uh, in my calendar and this day i mute my email i mute slack incoming calls all distractions and then i invest in upgrading myself and this could be like for example to take a course in excel to take a read faster course or to read inspiring books or to think about where we are as a company in three years, etc., etc. It's so so it's it's really like forcing uh, it's really about like forcing myself through my calendar scheduling to think about strategy, vision, how to work smarter. Um, yeah, that that was a little bit long, but I hope it's okay.
1: <laughs> I really really like that idea. Um, it reminds me that I, I know. Uh, one other person told me about something similar that, that he did. And, you know, it's not always easy to do that, but I think particularly as, as entrepreneurs and leaders, I think, um, if you don't make the time for that, then you kind of ultimately pay the price and you kind of are kidding yourself. And I guess that goes back to the, the seven habits book as well, right. In terms of sharpening the saw, um, Exactly. So, what's a new or crazy business idea that you would love to pursue if you had the extra time?
0: Honest, right now, I I try, I really try not to find new business ideas because, <laughs> hence what I told earlier about focus and focus and focus. Uh, so, if I see one, I actually try to forget it. I I, I know it's not really really entrepreneurial, but but it's I, I just try to forget it because or else my head will just spin with this new idea all the time. So so I really try not to, to, to find new ideas right now.
1: <laughs> that, that's actually really good advice. And I've been there where you kind of have an idea and you start working on something and then you have another idea which seems just as exciting and you don't yeah. want to let go of it. So yeah. you then end up trying to juggle two things at the same time. And maybe another third one comes along and... With, exactly. with each kind of le- level of excitement comes a whole bunch of frustration as well and um, so I've never actually heard anyone say that but I think that's actually good advice try to forget <laughs> the idea as quickly as possible
0: <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll write it down and sleep on it and, and you know uh, take a look at the idea again like a week after and see if it's still that good an idea because often it's just in a you know in, the, in, a, in a moment you think it's, it's the most fantastic idea in the world but uh, often when you sleep on it and you know, do something else and you get back to it, it's often not that good an idea. So yeah, you can try and do that if you don't want to just forget it. (laughs) But right now I just try and forget. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's an
1: interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
0: Well, Well, I have a huge and maybe a bit weird passion of old electronic music like like very very old um so i listen to pioneers like like kraftwerk uh shang Michel char centering dream mike oldfield all this very old uh, old guys from uh, from germany and from france um, so i have three older brothers they might have influenced me uh, in my music taste so um, yeah that that was that was the fun fact
1: do, do you break dance and body pop as well or
0: something <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Cool. all right,
1: yeah. um, and what is one of your most important passions outside of your work?
0: Uh, well, I have to say my family uh, my wife, my wife, Karina, and my two small kids, Augusta and Winston um i work a lot so so when i don't work i try to spend as much time as possible with my family um and uh when i'm not working and not with my family i try to exercise uh you know lift some weights and 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 run and and do some cycling but uh, yeah my family i i I try not to to have a whole lot of passions (laughs) i try not to get any ideas and no passions i'm really boring (laughs) Mogens,
1: I want to thank you for joining me today and sharing your story of Sleeknote with us. Um, I think you guys have a great story. You've you've done an uh, incredible amount in the last three years, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys continue to grow and and hopefully break into more markets outside of Scandinavia. If Folks want to get in touch with you or find out more about Sleeknote. What's the best way for them to do that?
0: They can find me on Twitter or, you know, just write me an email, uh, mm at sleeknote.com. So that's a double M. Um, Yeah, and I'll be happy to, you know, answer any questions.
1: And uh, check out sleeknote.com for more information about the product. Cool. So thanks again, and I wish you all the best.
0: Thank you, Omar. My pleasure.
1: Take care. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview. You can get to the show notes for this episode by going to conversionaid.com slash 109. And if you want to show your support for the show, then I would appreciate you taking a few minutes to leave a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference, both in terms of helping the show get discovered by more people and inspiring me to keep going and creating more great content for you. Just head over to conversionaid.com slash iTunes and that will link you over to iTunes where you can leave a rating and review. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Conversion Aid, the podcast that shows you how to take your business to the next level and create software that sells. But things don't have to end here. Head over to conversionaid.com VIP and get yourself on the free VIP list where we share special insider content and news about upcoming episodes. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.